0: Welcome to North 100, a Canadian Highlander podcast. I'm Serge. Joining me today, I have a Wheeler. Guten Abend. And a reminder that North 100 is brought to you by you. Support over at the Patreon at patreon.com slash loading ready run. Welcome to part two of our Crimson Vow set release. Reminder, with Jer stepping away from the podcast, it's just Wheeler and I, and we're trying something a little bit different. And thank you very much for the mostly positive comments. There's a couple of people who, who mentioned... A little bit of feedback on, you know, wanting to hear more voices and some different voices. We appreciate it. But for the most part, they seem they feel like I have some big shoes to fill and I'm stepping up and doing an okay job. Now, let's talk about our set reviews really quickly. We do this at the top of every set review, but reminder that our set reviews are not exhaustive. We only talk about the cards that we're excited about and we go through by color. Today we're going to be covering black and red and wheeler. I want you to address some comments that we've had, because we do read all the comments, specifically about why aren't we more critical about the cards.
1: Yeah, check out this two birds, one stone that I'm going to pull. So, like you mentioned, right, we're looking at all these through the lens of Canadian Highlander. And so if we're trying to evaluate these cards in the grand scheme of things... If we're looking at it purely from like a strategic of uh, strategic and critical lens, there would be like three cards, maybe five cards, and that doesn't really make much content. Nope. Because you know, let's try to compare everything to Ancestral Recall and Black Lotus and the <laughs> cards that abuse them. It's not a fair fight, but you know, it's it's okay because cards are often good with certain context applied to them, as you know a blue spirit that has some disruptive ability we will evaluate it and its place in a deck that wants other blue spirits with disruptive value and so we're not going to you know rip apart every single card we're not going to get to something that is like well this is a really neat thing for blue spirits but why the hell would you ever play that when you could play grixis you idiot like that's that's (laughs) never a thing that we are you know going to do and that's not a thing that players do i like playing garbage surge likes playing well it's rude to call somebody else's deck garbage (laughs) surge likes playing enchantress you know and there are cards that are good in these (laughs) decks that have a certain application that if you you know put them on a chart in comparison to literally everything else in the game they might fall flat but how we are looking at them they can you know they have something to do and to that extent, there will also be cards that we exclude because of that, like Hullbreaker Horror, a card that we didn't talk about. And a lot of people wondered because, like, that seems good, right? Mm-hmm. And that's a 7 mana seven eight five 5-blue-blue. Blue. It's a Kraken Horror with flash, and the spell can't be countered. Whenever you cast a spell, choose up to 1. Return target permanent you don't control to its owner's hand. or Return target non-land permanent to its owner's hand. So obviously, this is just a big dumb Kraken. Where... But where are we going to put it, right? it being a large fish (laughs) does not mean that it's not going to find a home but let's look at the potential homes do we want to reanimate this not really do we want to reanimate it in a combo-ish deck well Tidespout tyrant already just does that do we want to cast a big flying or big flash thing in blue well torrential gear hulk exists and even that's already just kind of on the bench most of the time you know, or it's not as frequent as it once was. And even for uncounterable threats, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, I hope that kind of covers what we are looking to approach these cards with. And if there's an enthusiasm for everything, it's because... We
0: love the format,
1: right? <laughs> yeah, Surge and I like magic. This is yeah. an uncommon trait among magic-related content creators. Yeah, but
0: <laughs> there's already so much negativity out there that hopefully this comes across as a, brush of fre- a breath of fresh air. You know.
1: Hmm. Hmm.
0: So yeah, that I hope that gives a kind of
1: a uh, a summation of what we're looking to do and why certain cards might not make it. I thought I'm you like, put that very well, friend.
0: Well, thank you, and I, I I think you also put that very well. Oh, shucks. All right. Well, let's get into the set review today. As we mentioned, black and red. So let's jump in with the Ghoul of Thraben. This is a three-mana, three-two zombie cleric for two and a black, and reads, whenever the Ghoul or another zombie you control dies, look at the top card of your library. If it's a zombie card, you may reveal it and put it into your hand. If you do... Wait, put it into your hand? If you don't, pardon me, if you don't put it into your hand, you may put it into your graveyard. This seems very solid. This seems very fun and very powerful specifically for the zombie deck. One of the big advantages Goblins has had as a tribal deck so far is the ability to refill its hand fairly reliably with uh, matron and some of the other sort of like tutor or card advantage engines. Traditionally, Zombies has gotten that... Card advantage through repetitive threats from the graveyard, but more cards in hand is always great. More cards in your graveyard is always great. Three mana gets a little bit more expensive, but the advantages here one is ancient, two mana, and two is a single black pip, which means it's easier to cast off acceleration and Zombie decks are moving away from being mono-black, so this makes it a lot easier to cast early if you're in, you know, green-black with a black-mold style of deck or a blue-black zombie deck.
1: Yeah, I think it does a great job of reinforcing zombies' identity, which even, you know, like you said, the, the recursion, but honestly, it wasn't as prevalent as you would imagine until, like, the past year mm, where it's yeah. really driven home. So it's nice to see that. Speaking of nice-to-see, I'm going to... Do everything within you know my ability to not scream about this card for the next fifty minutes, which is all right. You, you do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you want to bat, if you want to set me up, I I could just uh, mute myself and go. Oh my god, I can't believe. Are are you serious? I could freak out off Mike if whatever works for you. But uh, we're already here. Blood Fountain, uh, Surge. Get this. It's one black. It's an artifact, and when it ETBs, you create a blood token, which itself is. An artifact. This is important. And then Blood Fountain has an activated ability, a pay three and a black. Sacrifice it. Return two creatures from your graveyard to your hand. This might be, and this is again where the context is important, where out of all the cards in the set, this might actually be the most broken of the bunch.
0: And that's so funny to me because I look at this and it, it, I'm like, wow, five mana to get two creatures back? Snore. Yeah. But the eggs player in you, your brain starts like, oh god, I could... S- I could second-sun this. Oh, it's artifact mana off my academy? It's just so
1: goddamn good with Black Lotus and the cards that you want to play with Black Lotus. (laughs) Uh, It's an artifact that... There are two artifacts with one, which is huge. That's a lot of mana. This means with any of the other mana engines that abuse artifacts, clan, Ironworks, Urza, this is adding a heck of a lot more mana than you would expect. It is, you know, obviously a Trincomage target. It uh, lets you put cards from your graveyard into, or sorry, from your hand into your graveyard, which is a uh, pretty good for a deck that is looking to loop things from the graveyard. And that lets you draw a card. So this goes infinite with a variety of things. And then it also just returns any creature. So not just artifact creatures. That'd be nice by itself. But it can return any kind of uh, trinket mage, any kind of scrap trawler, mirror retriever, Urza, Oriok salvagers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's
0: it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's. I just love the way I love the way a combo player's brain works. Because you know I'm sitting here with like forehead level of magic, and I'm just like, okay, this is not even good and limited. And then you're over there with your five head and, you know, and eggs. You'd be like, oh, my God, it's so busted.
1: Yeah, it's <laughs> like this is the kind of card where I have to dig really deep and think of which black cards am I playing? Is is Wishclaw Talisman now back into the uh, point spread? Am I going to just play Time Sieve? The answer is yes to all of these. But uh, <laughs> yeah, wow. Oh. Wow. Nice.
0: Well, speaking of Blood Fountain, let me introduce the Blood Vial Purveyor. This is a 4-mana, 5-6 vampire for 2 black-black, like that ratio so far. It has Flying and Trample, also like that. Whenever an opponent casts a spell, that player creates a blood token, which we just talked about being good. And whenever Blood Vial Purveyor attacks, it gets plus 1 plus 0 for each blood token defending player controls. So this vampire is going to play a similar role of a lot of the very large demons with downside that medium black has traditionally had access to. So Abyssal Persecutor and the like. And the question you need to ask yourself when you're playing a threat like this is, do I kill my opponent before the downside kills me? And this is a pretty good clock. This is a very good clock. I yeah. I like it. It's scary. I don't I think this is the sort of threat though you have to evaluate what you're playing against because mm-hmm. if I mean, if your opponent's playing Blood Fountain, <laughs> you might be you might be in a little bit more trouble. <laughs> yep. Yep.
1: I yeah, it it's kind of in line with these cards where it's like if you really sit down and evaluate it, it's probably not a good card to play. However, if you're a deck with Ancient Tomb, Soul Ring, Mana Crypt, and look in the high roll, it really doesn't matter. They're dying, right? They're dying yeah. right away. And there's nothing restricting you from casting it. Yeah. That's the biggest thing.
0: I like the thing about this is you don't have... To, it's no persecutor, right? You don't have to somehow sacrifice it to win the game. Mm-hmm. And technically, blood tokens aren't card advantage. It's not like you're giving them a clue. They have the ability to cycle. So Yeah. But you're right. There's There's definitely a risk involved. <laughs>
1: I, I, yeah, I, you, I think you strap on in to ride the demon yeah <laughs> when you're choo playing choo. this, but as for cards that, well, I mean, you might want to, you know, buckle up for something like this. A cemetery desecrator. It's four black, black for a four, four zombie with menace. And when it enters the battlefield or dies, you exile another card from your graveyard or from a graveyard, excuse me, anyone's graveyard. And when you do, you choose one. Remove X counters from target permanent, where X is the mana value of the exiled card, or target creature and opponent controls gets minus X minus X until end of turn, where X is the mana of uh, mana value of the exiled card. Black and Menace go together like peanut butter and jelly. There are no good blocks that you can ever make, and my god, can a reanimator deck actually just hard cast this card. Yup, yup. It's this is this is one of those cards where I am so happy that it's, you know, I might not have to play against it at a Canlander night in the like Reanimator Stompy decks or the big black decks because the card will be so expensive due to commander players. And so Canlander (laughs) players might not own one.
0: Yeah, like I. There's no way I'm spending ten dollars on this. <sighs> ten bucks.
1: I. Yeah. yeah
0: you it, think this is going up? All right. Oh
1: well, I mean, it's a giant. It's a. It's a giant mythic zombie with a whole bunch of abilities.
0: Yeah, that's fair. That's and really so, funny.
1: Yeah, but I don't know. I'm. I'm excited to at least at, as as someone that does like Commander, I'll be grabbing a copy of this. But
0: yeah, I got two decks. I want to put this in uh, the Rock mm. and Recurring Nightmare. Ooh,
1: oh. yeah
0: yeah yeah, yeah. i'm not thinking like all in reanimator i'm thinking those grindy attritiony games where one cemetery desecrator is fine but i want i want like three cemetery desecrators in one game you know yeah i feel (laughs) (laughs) you all right next up we have concealing curtains which for a single black pip gets you a zero four wall with defender man that is a line i feel like i haven't read in a long time just a creature type wall Uh, This wall has an activated ability. Two and a black. You may transform Concealing Curtain, but only as a sorcery. And on the other side, we have the Revealing Eye. This is a creature eye horror. It's a 3-4 with menace, which we just talked about being very good. And when it transforms, target opponent reveals their hand. You may choose a non-land card from it. If you do, that player discards the card and then draws a card. Ooh, it cliques them. I hadn't actually seen this card before now. And you know what? I don't hate it. And I'm thinking of it specifically for a slower black X, like more controly deck, maybe a Grixis, something that's okay taking its time. It wants to clog up the board. So if you don't go, if your deck is the sort of thing that wants to go turn one, hand attack, turn two, hold up counter magic, this card would probably be pretty home there. It plays a really good role of being defensive. It lets you set up behind it. And then when you're ready to turn around when you're ready to be aggressive, when you're ready to try and resolve a threat on maybe on turn four or turn five, that activated ability will let you sort of clear the way and possibly even be a decent threat. This card isn't tremendously exciting, but honestly, a one drop, a one drop wall? Yeah, I don't hate it.
1: It's kind of funny how Grixis now has three zero fours between the egg that we got last set, thing in the ice and this, but all... (laughs) end up being very annoying for aggressive decks. You know, we're not giving you a whole bunch of life gain, but we will give you big booties. Mm. And one thing that you didn't touch on, Surge, is that, that unlike Thing in the Ice and the Smoldering Egg, is that this card is, has a lot more strength against blue matchups as well. Some would say that it's curtains for you. Anyways, <laughs> Demonic Bargain <laughs> is a sorcery for two and a blue. No, nope, it's a black. You know what? I screwed this one up uh, from the top. Keep all this in, by the way. this uh, The hubris is seeping. Two and a black It's a sorcery. Exile the top 13 cards of your library and then search your library for a card and put it into your hand and shuffle your library afterward. Well, the worst part about Grim Tutor, which is another three mana Demonic Tutor, is that, I mean, it deals three damage to you, but also it's black black. And so... It can be a little awkward if you're generating a lot of red mana, if you're playing like a blue-black combo deck uh, where you want Counterspell plus this. I think this card is, you know, at its best in the combo decks that want more of a density on tutors that also, you know, are, are either A plus B or they're they have fewer cards, like, necessary for combo. Like, I wouldn't play this in, like, a, a Sandy B or, like, a Flash Hulk deck. Well,
0: you need a very specific one, yeah.
1: Yeah, or <laughs> you either need a very specific setup of things. Like, I will play this in a Storm deck where my only kill condition is Tendrils of Agony. Love oh, it. well, I mean, I, I'm <laughs> a very good player. I'll never exile
0: it. I like, so it's like, I guess the evaluation here is what is the best tutor you're willing to play that doesn't cost points (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah this is a genuine downside but also
1: i will always run that risk for every single time yeah when you play combo you can't be a coward yeah you really can't it's it's honest i mean i I probably should have picked a a a nicer word to use but realistically cowardice (laughs) is what
0: causes most people to
1: lose combo matchups
0: because they don't go for it
1: yeah, they just see someone with open blue mana or open stuff, and they haven't been doing anything. They're like, oh, I can't do it now. I gotta. Oh, I should just cantrip and pass. And it's then the the person just has like kill like kill spells and like four drops they can't cast. They're like, oh my god, I get to live. They're
0: like, I can't believe I'm not dead here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, just go for it. I would love the matchup between a control player and a combo player where all, you don't even see the board. All you hear is they're in a monologue. Right?
1: <laughs> I think that's <laughs> Yu-Gi-Oh, Surge. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh like god tv right. show yeah <laughs> um. <laughs> all
0: right <laughs> next up we have uh Dreadfuge. Fuge? Fug. D- dread fuge fuji fuge dread fuji all right dread fuji <laughs> this is a single black sorcery but you can cleave it for two and a black reminder for cleave you may cast a spell for its cleave cost and if you do remove the words in the square brackets so non cleaved Target player reveals their hand. You choose a non-land card from it, square brackets, with mana value two or less, close brackets, that player discards that card. So for one mana, this card is worse than Inquisition of Kozilek. For three mana, this card is, I don't want to say better than Thoughtseize, because it's Thoughtseize, but you 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 don't lose the life. But it costs three mana. And as such, I think this is pretty good. I don't hate this. Inquisition hits a lot. Uh, There are quite a few cards in this format that don't cost a lot of mana, as Wheeler was mentioning earlier. Recall, Lotus, uh, a lot of the really good tutors and stuff like this. And if you're worried about uh, most of the counter spells that you want to play around too, and if you're a deck that is trying to clear the way early, if you're a deck that's trying to interfere with your opponent's first couple of turns, I don't mind this. Are you are you slightly lower on this than me? I don't know. If I had to I, rate this, I'd give it like maybe a C plus. I'm actually
1: really high on this right, card. Okay. Yeah. And I think it's an interesting one because it's three is a whole nother category. Like oh, yeah, It's a yeah, whole yeah. new world of card. But Usually hand attack, especially early hand attack, you are clearing the way so that you can get something else down or setting yourself up. And so hitting twos, be it mana acceleration, disruption, counterspells, whatever, is a-okay. And later on, when you want to double spell with this, you know, I wanna rip that counterspell in their hand and then play my big spell, or rip their counterspell and kill their thing, then for one mana, it's still gonna be valid. And yeah, you can cleave it later on if you absolutely have to get something out of the way, and that's okay too. The great Robin Sorensen.
0: Oh, yeah. He uh-huh. was
1: talking to me about this card and uh, about Canlander in general. And like three is the powerhouse number in our format Oko, yeah. opposition agent, all that jazz, right? There's so many good threes. And he was of the mindset that threes are bad. <laughs> well, that's not fair. Uh, the threes. In what respect? Yeah. Well, it, threes are like, they're too chunky he he thinks that you know the future of canlander is two cmc well it's that like if you are going to play these very cheap you know heads up hockey attritiony kind of cards like if you're going to try to approach it more like vintage or legacy you know where you're trading these very uh cheap efficient spells then like you want more twos and ones and then why go three when you can go four
0: all right so you're, you're wait oh interesting one two four i was gonna i thought yeah. you were saying that three was the new four no but you're no, saying no. skip three entirely one and two acceleration into like actual haymaker bombs
1: he was preaching four one ah. two and four and uh, after getting my ass kicked by urza <laughs> lord high artificer in just straight up blue white control i was like oh
0: yeah, you know what? We should just be playing more of these Haymaker 4s that they've Interesting. printed. Interesting.
1: Okay, okay.
0: And that makes... So, I mean, here's my next question then. Mm-hmm. For a long time, the hand attack suite has been Inquisition, Duress, Thoughtseize, and if you're playing pretty heavy black, you could also splash for him to Torak. Is mm-hmm. it now five discard spells is your starting point?
1: Yeah, I think I'm now. I think my brain's been poisoned enough. Maybe it's the triomes. <laughs> maybe it's the quarantine, where I'm always suiting up those five, or always suiting up this five: the IOK, the the base three, the him, and now this card. Wow. I, All I, right. I guess except for there's some situations where you just want the three if you're yeah. like a combo yeah, yeah, yeah. deck or whatever
0: and well, you don't want black block on like what turn reasonably can i get that yeah. right
1: like this card gets a lot better with other hand attack spells more so than the other ones
0: yeah Sequ- sequencing you know inquisition mm-hmm. or duress which one do you lead with yeah cool
1: so yeah it's cool it, it, it's a good one cool 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 speaking of cool how about i give you a two mana card that can kill planeswalkers surge Ooh. what do you say to
0: that Ooh, we haven't had that since oh Oh, what's that 2-1 Vampire for black, black, sacrifice Vampire fanners. Hexmage? Yeah! Is this a new Hexmage? What are we looking at here?
1: Graph Reaver. It's mm-hmm. a one in a black for a 3-3 three, three zombie warrior with exploit. When graph Reaver exploits a creature, destroy target Planeswalker. <laughs> and then at the beginning of your upkeep, it deals one damage to you. Oh, no. So, yeah, like, my initial read on this card was hmm i'm going to play this in so many decks yeah and just you know the the what damage is a bit of a bit of a pain but you know what it'll make up for it or i just exploit itself yeah and i had these decks in mind where i wouldn't end up playing it but then i was just like yeah it's just so flexible yeah. like a two mana three three that's easy to cast i don't care if it deals damage to me this thing will trade it'll eat a bolt It'll be annoying. It'll do something. And when it exploits a thing and kills like kills their oko or their Teferi, you know, early on, or when I cast off my Lurus, then I, I, I'm feeling
0: hunky-dory. So obviously it's an auto-include in, in Zombies. It's an mm-hmm. auto, it, you know, goes great in Lurus decks. Is this a card that you would play? I mean, obviously Lurus is probably in Death and Taxes and stuff like this, but is this like a good enough answer in that style of deck? If, if yeah. d and didn't have Lurus, would you play graph Reaver as an aggressive threat?
1: i th- i think so i think this card is going to be is going to prove to be very strong and at home in basically any deck with black that plays 14 or more creatures you know like even like a control a more modernized control deck with Merktide regents and Gurmeg anglers and whatnot i think i'm likely to just play this because it's such a free roll heck yeah mm-hmm.
0: next up we have headless rider this is a three mana three one zombie for tuna black when Headless Rider or another non-token zombie you control dies, create a 2-2 black zombie creature token. Looks like I'm getting a lot of these three-mana zombies here. This card's great. Uh, very similar to the Arch Ghoul of Thraben. This zombie does a fantastic job of generating pressure and advantage for you and giving you sort of that attrition and card advantage through multiple bodies. That being said, this one is a lot more vulnerable. Having one toughness is, well, tough. And that it'll be pretty easy to clear, and it, it won't be a very solid engine card. But that being said, if you get it down early, if you can accelerate into this on turn two, and you're happy to just start swinging aggressively with your other zombies and just have them come back.
1: Yeah, it's it's kind of just a zombie for the sake of zombies.
0: Yeah, that's kind of what I'm saying there. It's it's not a lord, right? Mm-hmm. This isn't this isn't the sort of three drop that you slam down, and all of a sudden your board gets qualitatively better yeah. if you have if you've gone wide pretty happy but you know accelerating this out by itself is not as spicy as adding this to a board where you already have you know two or three other zombies
1: yeah it's it's worth noting that I think this is the first variant that is a zombie, that when zombies die, it poops out zombies. Oh, it's not like a graph digger to,
0: or a human or anything like that?
1: Yeah, like it's not a, a wizard that makes zombies if a thing dies, or like Zathrid Necromancer turns humans to zombies, Rot-Lung Reanimator does clerics to zombies. This is just very straightforward and it's, uh, yeah, it's it's a zombie. <laughs> it, sure, it
0: sure is a zombie, eh? Yeah.
1: In the meantime, onto another tribe, vampires. Henrika Domnathi. A two black black for a 1-3 legendary vampire with flying. At the beginning of combat on your turn, choose one that hasn't been chosen. Each player sacrifices a creature. You draw a card and you lose one life, or you transform Henrika. Henrika turns into Henrika Infernal Seer which is a 3-4 flying death touch lifelinker with one black black. Each creature you control with flying death touch and or lifelink gets plus one plus zero until end of turn. So this is like a, a Nighthawk, ho- like this is the, your Nighthawk commander. If you needed Nighthawk tribal. <laughs> <laughs> Given the people what they want. You yeah, know.
0: yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I, I think this does enough that I could see it in a, as, as a like role player up top in a deck like a mono black control deck or a mono black or a black green mid range deck because there's a lot of stuff with flying right there's a lot of stuff with death touch and life like that's basically every creature that your deck is going to play uh, you know all the way from the bottom of mire tritons up to gaunty lord of luxury or kalitas and whatnot and i think that if you're playing a deck like that you kind of need your four drops to have lifelink to have mm. something to recover from all of the like trading down you've been doing with Raghavans or <laughs> harsh mentors, and so it the added like little utility of you don't have to immediately change it into a three four if you're not super relevant or, you know if you're not going to uh, activate or to get any kind of combat out of it it's pretty nice there's some genuine weaknesses that it gets bolted uh, yeah. pretty easily but i i don't know i I like this card for for that kind of deck are you getting a
0: hankering to play this at all I, I know that you uh i'm a little bit lower on it if i'm honest it's, it's a lot of mana like oh, yeah. mm-hmm. i just can't get over four mana one three and it does impact the board a little bit but like if you're casting this as just an edict right you're mm-hmm. you're really sad you're so far behind or there's cheaper ways to do that
1: yeah, I feel that. I think you likely need to be a bit more ahead with this one than other uh than something like Kalitas, you know? Yeah.
0: I mean maybe if, if I was more involved in vampire specifically as a as a tribe. Sure. I could be excited. And when you said role player, I, I meant I, you know, like, I, I want to be in theme in a vampire deck. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let me get into character. Like, I'm going to cosplay as Enrica. It's strong. It's got a lot of words on it. And I mean, as we've seen from Questing Beasts, more words often means better card. But
1: I think I think this is just a mythic rare from a new set. You know, if you're yeah. able to do something with it, you're probably winning the game. But also, it doesn't take that much time for your opponent to, well... Deal with it.
0: Yeah, I just think there's so many cheap answers to this card. Yeah, but uh, it'll kill people. Next up, Mind Leech Ghoul. This is a two mana two two zombie for one and a black with Exploit. And when Mind Leech Ghoul exploits a creature, each opponent exiles a card from their hand. I like this. This is solid. I I unlike our friend before the uh, what was it the Graph Reaver. Mm-hmm. This one I don't think is going to see play outside of zombies. <laughs> Which is, Ooh. you know, I don't think exiling a card is quite as versatile, but it is, it does a pretty good job. There are a couple of creatures that do this job now. What is this? This is the third black creature to drop that comes into play and takes a card from your opponent's hand, but unlike cards like Tidehall, Scholar Exactly. Yeah. Where they get it back, that card's gone forever. And. Is this, what do you think, the, the strongest Relentless Rat they've printed yet? Because, you know, it's in a good tribe?
1: No, Serge, I infamously uh, despise Tide Hollow Skeller and Kitesail Freebooter. Mm-hmm. I hate those cards. I hate playing them. They don't feel great. I wasn't thinking Relentless Rat. Uh, which is the rat I was thinking? Ravenous Rats? Ravenous? Is that the one? That's the two-mana one-one that just makes some discard. Yeah. All right. I- My favorite part about this is honestly the exploit. Like, I... You just want a creature that dies or kills something? I just want something to sack my damn Academy Rector. Oh, you like this in Sandy B? Yeah, I think that this is actual factual, just the card that you want to add to Sandy B. Like there there have been some other ones where I'm like, this could be, you know, okie dokie in this version, or if you do this. But that deck likes having one card that is in line with that, you know, a Mismuric Fiend style. But this is the first one that, we're okay just putting in the graveyard if we have to just by itself because that deck's already so recursive but also it just we can sack our own academy rector or our own pattern of rebirthed card and that's pretty all right it's cheap enough that we could also this one seems a little weird but my my sandy heads know what i'm talking about um <laughs> it's 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 a sack outlet it's an immediate sack outlet that can be revelart. And also something that you can, if you reanimate the Hulk, it's just another thing that you can then play and gobble up, you know, gobble up your meat and eggs immediately.
0: Well, I mean, it's not as good as the traditional Sackalotes, because like Sandy B, this is the loop starter, not the loop continuer. Like this is never replacing your your Viscera here, right? Yeah. Because it can't, because it's on ETB as opposed to being able to loop everything, which you need for that deck.
1: But but those decks like Sandy B is, you know, it used to play the Tide Hollow Skellers or or Sin Collector or stuff like that, but they just were not good enough. And, you know, while they did provide certain utility while looping certain protection, depending on what your kill was, because you just strip your opponent's hand, they kind of just didn't do anything outside of that. Right. This is a version that gets to fill that role, can do something outside of it. And also is just easier to cast and uh, yeah all right I, yeah all right yeah yeah I, I i think that this one has a slight bonus to it and i'm more interested in playing something like this that i can then also abuse with you know unearth uh, a eric's daughter renegade rally or that kind of thing mm. yeah and now to to set you up for something sensual a restless bloodseeker surge mm-hmm. this is one in a black for a one three vampire And at the beginning of your end step, if you gained life, oh, make a blood token. And then you can sacrifice two blood tokens to transform it, but only as a sorcery. And when you do that, it becomes a 3-3 vampire. Oh, that says at the beginning of your end step, if you gain life, create a blood token and pay four in a black. Each opponent loses two life and you gain two life. Mm Serge, do you remember that night we spent together? Oh, cameras were on us.
0: Yeah. And I wanted to die. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes.
1: mm. I I too felt like I could die and uh, happy. I that's that's how I'm going to choose to read that statement. Yeah, I don't know. I I I think that this card for that deck for that annoying as hell deck is uh, pretty strong. It does what you want to do. It provides a mana sink. It lets you cycle through all the useless cards that you're going to inevitably draw because well. You're a, a primarily mono white deck or a white black deck.
0: I was actually going to say really quick, if people aren't familiar with that stream, was what deck are you talking about specifically? Oh,
1: here, I'm I'm talking about the the martyr proc soul sistery kind of deck where we mostly leave our Johnny's pride mates at home and instead. <laughs> We tilt a bottle of fine wine into a glass. Tilt being the important uh, word. That's
0: the win con. You're not winning a game of magic. You are demoralizing your opponent until they concede.
1: Yeah. I mean, you usually win at the end in one way or another, but the concession is really what we're aiming for. (laughs) Win game one and then time out the round. Mm. And uh, yeah, the, the, getting this card active is is pretty easy. You just have to gain life. That's kind of what your deck's based around. And then if that that mana sink will kill people. Like that is a it's expensive. It's uh, five mana to do. But if you have watched that stream or happened to play against the deck, the games go long.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, th- those games do not end quick for anybody. Yeah. <laughs> for <Yeah>. anybody. <laughs> All right, let's 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 do it, Wheeler. Let's just talk about stupid, sexy Sorin here. Ooh. Yeah, we got uh, Sorin the Mirthless. This is a four mana, four loyalty Sorin-type Planeswalker for two black black. The plus one ability reads, look at the top card of your library. You may reveal that card and put it into your hand. If you do, lose life equal to its mana value. Minus two, create a two three black vampire creature token with flying and lifelink. And negative seven, Sorin deals 13 damage to any target, and you gain 13 life. And I think this Planeswalker does a pretty good job of meeting the minimum criteria you want a Planeswalker to do. needs an ability that protects itself, which those vampire creature tokens do a great job of. It wants to provide card advantage in some way, which the plus one ability is great. I also like the difference between this plus one and traditional Bob, which is you may reveal it. So if you, you know, you accidentally flip a... Eldrazi or something greedy off the top. You don't have to dome yourself for a million. And its ultimate should win the game. And there's, I think there's very few situations unless you're playing specifically against Ben Wheeler in that last matchup. If you're doming somebody for 13 damage that you're not just winning on the spot. So I think this is a fine passable planeswalker. That being said, there are a lot of very powerful four drop threats and finding a home where those abilities will synergize is probably going to be more important than just calling this a an auto include in any deck that wants to cast it
1: yeah my my thing and this is i have magic players really struggle with evaluating exactly like a two three body with a Mm. two three bodies or one two bodies with defensive abilities attached to them are consistently (laughs) underrated right or they're consistently not evaluated as as strongly as they they should be
0: it's very strong yeah
1: they're just so annoying like they're yeah and they're not annoying until you realize like oh my unholy heat doesn't kill this (laughs) Hmm, interesting or you know or oh my aven mind sensor can't trade with this card it blocks my goblin guide okay my Ragamon. Cool. yeah exactly it's it, it It just like honestly previous Soren's have shown that the sorin from cons of tarkir sorin solemn visitor you know it pooped out two two vampires but it's plus one was uh until your next turn creatures you control get plus one plus you life lifelink and like that is just a very large swing
0: yeah oh god yeah
1: and you know, obviously there's a, a bit of a difference in buffing the team than just having one body that does it. But I can't help but look at this card and be like, I bet it's better than we think it is. And it's just going to be really annoying. And if it isn't, then well, that's okay. I'll just reserve it to decks that want to cast rampant growths. Play turn three. <laughs> yeah. But oh my god, I can we talk talks real? That, that was a bad joke. Talks real the Corrosive, a 5 black black for a 7-7 seven, seven legendary slug horror. At the beginning of each end step, I repeat, each end step. Put a slime counter on each creature you don't control. Creatures you don't control get minus one, minus one for each slime counter on them. Whenever a creature you don't control with a slime counter on it dies, create a one, one black slug token, and then you can pay a blue and a black to sack a slug and draw a card. I, (laughs) this, this is the kind of card where, you know, we kind of talked about it with the, the cemetery desecrator, the, the six drop. Where we've seen some reanimator decks pop up that are also just like, I will cast my Grave Titan. You know, I will cast my Thread as well. I think Robin called them reanimator Stompy just because you're a reanimator deck, but also here's a Rotting Regisaur. And one of the things that those decks lack is that, well, they typically don't get, you know, Iona or Elishnorn. Which I'm gonna make the comparison of this card and Elishnorn. It's not an exact one-to-one, but this is at least something that's castable in these decks that are usually black, blue, or Grixis.
0: Yeah, like this isn't winning the turn it comes down like Elishnorn, but I can see how it would play a similar role.
1: Yeah, it's it's kind of like an Elishnorn hybrid yeah. in that it takes a, a bit of time before it, you know it really picks up. But people always are like, oh, I'll just deal with it. And then that I can get out of this lock, right? Right. (laughs) But but it's just so difficult and it just slowly will eat away at everything, no matter the size and comes paired, you know, with its own edict insurance. And so I'm pretty high on this card. I I look forward to reanimating it, honestly. Also, it's not how often do you get to say, here's my legendary slug.
0: (laughs) all right fair enough fair enough and next up we have undead butler how did i end up with all the zombies oh, whatever it's an innistrad set. it makes sense undead butler is a two mana one two zombie for one in a black when it enters the battlefield mill three cards and when the undead butler dies you may exile it when you do return target creature card from your graveyard to your hand i don't love this wheeler That's fair. Do you like it? Do you like it in zombies? If this was a 2-1 I'd like it more, but as a 1-2 I don't quite think it does what you want it to do in an aggressive deck or even in the the sort of looping threats of zombies. I think I'd play this in Gladiator. I don't know if I'd play this in Highlander.
1: Yeah, I think this card kind of struggles from the uh, setup of I can think of a zombie variant that would want to play this. You know, like if you were a zombies deck that was more aristocrats oriented, you play because then you you get a couple more blood artist effects that are zombies themselves, but typically they're black white.
0: But but even then it like it returns it to your hand not to play and the Mm -hmm. undead butler exiles itself. So it doesn't even do a great job of looping. I think it's I think this card might be a trap. Yeah, I think it's close. It has enough words that it, it, it does things that you think you want it to do, but I don't know if it actually has a home anywhere
1: right i i think that if you're making the decision to play something like zombies you're already putting yourself in a bit of a you know disadvantage off the bat not that the deck's bad but <laughs> there's a reason that you you know we're not seeing like well i eight owed with zombies at this big canlander event here's my tournament report and i mean for you know real world reasons aside it's because the deck certainly has weaknesses and so even if you decide to play zombies then you would have to decide to play a version of that deck that is not as powerful as the stock list. And so this card isn't likely hitting the stock list, but it's probably in the variant. So you're you're just like further splitting, you know, where what you are looking to play, if that makes sense. And so yeah, I think this card is uh, likely a trap. Speaking of trap, (laughs) Vampire's Kiss. Uh, One in a black, it's a sorcery. Target player loses two life and you gain two life. Create two blood tokens. We talk a lot about identity for decks, right? Like why, if you're going to play a Rakdos aggro deck, you have to do something other than just being a bad version of mono red. And, you know, what that looks like might not be playing you know, hand attack or other cards that you would associate with black. And in the list of cards that people constantly list when it comes to, hey, Ben, have you thought about playing black red aggro with what is it? Bump in the night? Well, bump in the night's the big one. I was trying to avoid the meme. I
0: mean, honestly, people, there was a legacy deck that did really well playing like four copies of bolt, four copies of chain lightning, four copies of of like bump, Mm -hmm. right? Like that, that was a real deck for a bit.
1: Yeah, Sovereign's Bite is the big one, where somebody—not, I I say somebody, but this is tens of—well, tens of people (laughs) over the years.
0: Sure, okay, so you you got this, like, weird bad burn spell. Keep going.
1: Yeah, it's just a bad burn spell, I guess is what I'm getting at, where you can try to paint this picture of, like, well, I mean— The life gain might even this out and the blood tokens like, yeah, you do get a lot for one single card, but I would just rather have a more real card. You know, I would rather just have like something that is consistently going to impact the game
0: or the board or anything. (laughs) Yeah,
1: exactly. All right. I'm pretty low on these kind of cards and I'm I'm, I can't really think of a time when we're going to get enough of them that it's an okay thing to do.
0: And the last black card we're going to talk about today is the Valdaren Bloodcaster. This is a two-mana, two-one vampire wizard. For one in a black, it flies. And it says, whenever Valdaren Bloodcaster or another non-token creature you control dies, create a blood token. And then, whenever you create a blood token, if you can try, if you control five or more blood tokens, you may transform the Bloodcaster into a blood bat summoner. Oh my god. And it's like, you get a bat. And you get a bat. Everybody gets a bat. <laughs> <laughs> just, this is jump, a- just jumping up and down on the cushions. Yeah, yeah. I think I love blood. <laughs> this is a 3-3 three, three vampire wizard with flying. And at the beginning of combat of your turn, up to one target blood token you control becomes a 2-2 two, two black blood black. black Creature Toku with flying and haste, in addition to its other types. All right, so on one side you get a two mana two one with flying. You know what? This card might be fine. I think oh, it's yeah. I think it's kind of cute, and I don't know how often realistically you're getting a uh, a three three on the backside. But like Vampire Interloper is kind of legit. And what if you had like Vampire Interloper that could block and just had nothing but upside? Y-
1: yeah, this is just like a totally reasonable two drop. Threat. Yeah. Also has synergies relating to, you know, aristocrats. Yeah. Dare I utter the name like you are even if you don't get five blood, if you play this card out in an aristocrat style deck, you know, you might end up with three of them. And have you seen three blood tokens, four blood tokens? You know, that's not far-fetched. And have you seen the kind of cards you play in that deck? Wow, they're bad. <laughs> and sometimes, you know, you see,
0: you have your, like, third Tukatung Phallid in your hand. God, I wish I had any way to get this out of my hand for anything else. Yeah.
1: Please make this, like, a Planeswalker instead. Or, you know, please give me a second Blood Artist so I can actually do something. And this will help you cash in. And, you know, that's a deck that also plays its fair share of cards. cards. Cards like Bloodghast and Scrap Heaps, uh, Scrounger. And so you can take advantage of putting cards into your graveyard and then getting things back. And it also triggers off of itself. Doesn't trigger off creature or tokens, which is kind of relevant, but also you're usually letting your non-token creatures die. That's the big thing. You want them, you want those to die first. So yeah, I, I'm pretty high on this card. It's, it's good in the decks where you want to play it. Starting off red, we have an it card. <laughs> Alchemist Gambit. It's uh, one red red for a sorcery that has cleave. And the cleave is for four blue blue red. So again, when you cast the cleave, you get rid of the brackets. Take an extra turn after this one. During that turn, damage can't be prevented. Brackets. At the beginning of that turn's end step, you lose the game. Brackets. Exile Alchemist Gambit. So you're either paying three mana for a final fortune style of effect, basically a time walk that says on this extra turn, you're going to lose the game at end of turn, or you're paying seven mana for just a, just a time walk. And then you have the exile attached to it as per all modern time walks. I think I'm good. Like, I think we have enough time walks.
0: Wait, what? Hold on. Hold on. What did you just say?
1: (laughs) I don't know. Like, I love a good final fortune. One of my favorite decks with those was I played a Goblin's List with Time Walk and the Point Spread. And I played all the three two-mana final fortunes. And so there are three of those at two mana. So I don't know if we need a fourth at three. And I don't know if we need (laughs) another big time walk that exiles itself at six or seven. And those two, like, different types of cards don't really intersect Usually play one or the other. So not super high on this card.
0: Next up, we have Ancestral Anger. This is a one mana sorcery for a single red pip that reads target creature gains trample and gets plus X plus O until end of turn where X is one plus the number of cards named Ancestral Anger in your graveyard plus draw a card. So obviously, all of the text on this card is basically irrelevant other than target creature, trample. And this is very good specifically in the prowess style decks where you're trying to cast a bunch of spells, make your creatures get as quickly as possible. And honestly, you'd think draw a card is one of the more important lines on this, but trample puts in a lot of work. And if you've played standard in the past couple years or modern and you're used to the, the is it phoenix style deck, this uh, this card is going to find a home is it spells maybe uh bardu decks that want to play berserk muscle wizards
1: okay well for the record i think the plus one is also pretty relevant
0: yeah that's i mean that's fair
1: yeah i i think that if if it didn't also boost the power this is likely just kind of staying at home because we have or for very niche decks because we have crash through that already does that yeah
0: yeah exactly that yeah
1: but yeah it, it's wild how many of these trample pump spells blitz cards that we've received
0: can we come up with a name that is cantrip trample Cantrol? tramp trip okay <laughs> maybe not <laughs> let's move on maybe
1: not maybe not um <laughs> cemetery gatekeeper one in a red for a 2-1 vampire with first strike when it enters the battlefield, you exile a card from a graveyard. Whenever a player plays a land or casts a spell, if it shares a card type with the exiled card, it deals two damage to that player. This is symmetrical. Can you hear the sound in my voice that, you know, of how relevant that Idolin of uh, the Great Revel is symmetrical?
0: Yeah. Zozu the Punisher. Yep. God, I... I have wanted to make Ankh of Mishra Zozu the Punisher a deck in Highlander for so long and it's always sucked specifically because Zozu cost 3 and was also red red mm-hmm. this is
1: hateful <laughs> why does it so good it's and it's so, so free <laughs> Yeah, like why does it have first strike why does the XL not target why is it not double red I have all these questions <laughs> that are just answered by you know the response it's mythic
0: Ben it's mythic that's a really good card <sighs> Uh, We got another Planeswalker. Let me introduce you to Chandra Dress to Kill. This is a three mana, three loyalty Chandra type Planeswalker for one red red or Chandra mana, basically. Uh, The plus one ability is add a red. Chandra Dress to Kill deals one damage to up to one target player or Planeswalker. There is a second plus one ability, which is exile the top card of your library. If it's red, you may cast it this turn, and minus seven, exile the top five cards from your library. You may cast red spells from among them this turn, uh, not even for free. You just can if you want to. And you get an emblem with whenever you cast a red spell, this turn deals X damage to any target where X is the amount of mana spent to cast that spell. And that's why those spells aren't free It's to make that emblem relevant. I think this Chandra joins a long list of other three mana Chandras that just doesn't quite do enough. Notably, the damage doesn't go the creatures, so it doesn't protect itself. The card advantage is kind of neat, but that's more relevant the turn after. Like four mana Chandra, that gives you that card advantage has a little bit more board impact when it lands mm. and so this is, this is cute but I don't think it's going to see a lot of play in our format. See see, I was
1: on the case of I just I just really dislike Chandra as a character and I'm kind of sick, and, uh, sick of seeing her and so before I was just like not willing to give this card uh, any attention because okay. I was just like ah, blah 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 not worth it uh, but now that I've thought about it a bit more I still don't like her as a character but I do <laughs> like this card. Really? Really? All right. Yeah. So I, I think that the fact that she can add mana immediately, which in a deck with a bunch of red spells, you play this, tick it up. You know, you can peck off a planeswalker or a player. That part doesn't matter as much on the turn you play her, but it'll be somewhat relevant. Also makes playing her against opposing planeswalkers that have, you know, potentially down ticked to deal with your threat. But you just add a red, which means you can bolt, unholy heat, chain lightning, any red
0: one drop protect yourself. A point against this one compared to other Chandras, you can't play lands off of her exile.
1: That is true. I don't care.
0: Oh. I don't think... I, I all don't right, think, all right. I mean,
1: that that's relevant for... I think this card is more aggressive for the record. Very much an aggressive card or like a, a low curve aggressive that can maybe pivot to mid range. But I'm trying to kill my opponent as quickly as possible or as reasonably as possible. And I feel like this is just something that can help you know, it can do that, and can do that in a way for decks that might want to cast a hazard.
0: I was going to say, what what deck? Because like, this isn't red deck wins. I don't know if you're playing. Are you playing this in medium red?
1: I think I'll play this in medium red for sure. Now, the, and I, I even think that it's playable in red. I think there's got to be a version of red deck wins that just cast Goblin Chain Whirler. You know, like. But this isn't Goblin Chain Whirler. No, but it, I, I'm using that as an example for like. You know, we cut the jackal pups and start playing the broken cards they printed from 2018 to 2020. You know, which are sure, like going all filler,
0: no filler red. Yeah,
1: give me that Tor brand. Give me that yeah. Phoenix of Ash. you know, cards that are less susceptible to lightning helix and thrag tusk mm. is basically where I'm going. So yeah, I like that in there, but I still have I've I haven't read her ultimate and I, I don't intend to.
0: I think that's fair. (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. Right. Speaking of fair, here's Change of Fortune. It's three and a red for a sorcery. You discard your hand and then draw a card for each card you've discarded this turn. It's really easy to play. It's not quite Wheel of Fortune. It's not quite Windfall. But buddy, if you get yourself a Scourge Familiar, you got a stew.
0: I'm going to need you to remind me what a Scourge Familiar is. Well, it's four and a black
1: for a 3-2 flyer that says discard a card, add black to your mana pool. That's a pretty broken ability, and I think is a card that is kind of asking to be, you know, broken. And so I think this is a card that will kind of go along with other wheels or supplement that style of combo deck, or potentially like a mono red storm list that we've seen pop up with Underworld Breach in tow.
0: Next up, we have Curse of Hospitality. This is a three mana enchantment or a curse for two and a red enchant player, like most curses do. Creatures attacking enchanted player have trample. Okay, and whenever a creature deals combat damage to enchanted player, that player exiles the top card of their library. Till end of turn, that creature's controller may play that card, and they may spend mana as though it were mana of any color to cast. So red has recently been getting a few effects like this. We have uh, Robber of the Rich being, I think, probably the best example of it, which is card advantage by playing your opponent's cards. Notably, also can't play lands off of it. Wait, no, no, may play that. Yeah, no, no, they can't play lands. Okay, huh. My biggest complaint with this is it's not a creature. It is three mana. If you're, yeah, exactly. Like, what, if you're an aggressive deck that is trying to, like, the reason Robber the Rich is good is it lets you put your foot all the way down on the gas pedal, be really aggressive, and you make up the card advantage. It's it's encouraging you to attack to do that, which is kind of what Curse of Hospitality is saying. It's like, hey, if you attack, you'll get your cards back. And that way, even if you do bad attacks and they block it or you lose a creature from that, you should be able to keep the pressure up. The problem is, in order to get Curse of Hospitality into play, you have to take your foot off the gas pedal for a turn.
1: Or you just have to play Ancient Tomb.
0: You like this in, you like it for ancient two mana. It does make the creatures on the board better, but yeah. I, I always worry about effects like this.
1: I, I think that this is the kind of card where if you didn't have the first ability or if you didn't, like it's two cards that have been stapled together, right. basically, yeah. that have also, that are powerful effects, but you would have never played them by themselves. And they've also received the like quality of life update from modern cards. It says, yeah, we want you to play these things and then pair that with an easy mana to hit I think this card does enough all together, especially if, yeah, for medium red or even like a red green deck, like a gruel deck that can get this out with dorks or double mocks and and then later use those uh, mana dorks to refill their, well, not refill their hand, but, you know refill the pressure
0: so i'm going to compare this to two cards we have uh, phyrexian arena which is three mana guaranteed you draw a card each turn and you lose a life and our course of portal which is a four mana artifact that no downside you just draw a card an extra card each turn and there is mm-hmm. a significant downside to this which is if you don't have a board it does nothing
1: yes but if i have a goblin rabble master
0: oh yeah i guess the the upside of this is pretty huge yeah and my
1: opponent has a token i don't care (laughs) which i think that's i think that's pretty pretty big especially because medium even medium red goes wide too right you have all these token generating creatures these pz's the pyromancers yeah
0: yeah, no you're you're selling me on it the upside of this is like the ceiling of this card is absurd compared to some of the other ones the floor is manageable
1: yeah you high roll with it in a deck that wants to high roll
0: all right i'm warming up on this card
1: yeah well warm up to this because uh you're gonna have to it's gonna drag you out dominating vampire one red red for a three three vampire when it etbs you gain control of target creature with mana value less than or equal to the number of vampires you control untap that creature and it gains haste and this is only for that turn double red is a bit of a you know that's the this is the downside of playing this card in the vampire deck is it's double red on three which might be a little awkward. And that's where all the bad stuff ends. <laughs> this card is pretty strong in a Vampire's deck. And to somebody that made three different Vampire's decks over the weekend, I was shot, like, finally getting to see the spike in card quality was wild. Absolutely wild. Like, no Vampire Nocturnus.
0: Oh. It's too slow. Go with me on a journey here. Does this Does this Kiki combo at all? You would need... <laughs>
1: to have a whole bunch of vampires in order to do that we're
0: not we're not quite we're not quite there i just see untap and haste and i'm wondering if there's a combo application with this that we might be able well, to i
1: mean if you if you played kiki Jiki in a vampire stack vampires, deck, <laughs> vampires <laughs> makes <All> a bunch <laughs> of tokens
0: <laughs> all right uh, you know what i want to see the community come together and give us vampire kiki let's see what happens <laughs> god all right uh next up we have Kessig Flame Breather. This is a two mana one three human shaman for one and a red. Whenever you cast a non-creature spell, deal one damage to each opponent. Hey, Wheeler, what if a uh, gutter snipe was way easier to cast and had three toughness, even if it did less damage every time you cast it? Would you be would you be pretty down with that?
1: Serge, I'd be absolutely down to clown. Thank you for asking.
0: Yeah, I don't I don't hate this, and I think there's a group of people who've always tried to make that deck work. And I think this might be one of the easier versions. Am I talking to one of those people who's been trying to make no, that deck you, work?
1: No, you could, you could just say Nelson. Yeah. <laughs> They'll know who you're talking about. <laughs> you could say Nelson. Gelectrode will get thrown up on the screen. Yeah, people yeah. understand.
0: I mean, yeah. I don't know how real that deck is. I think we're getting a density of it, though. Especially of these, like, very cheap threats that care when you cast spells. You got your drakes. You got your pingers. And this card might have a home in there. Honestly, I like 1-3 a lot better than 2-2 two, two in that particular style of deck. I like that stat line. We were mentioning this earlier, how with Blood Fountain, how you kind of want to be defensive with these decks as you set up. And a 1-3 lets you block Goblin Guide pretty well, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I.
1: it's also worth noting, a lot of these are shamans. And a lot of these are in the same, like they're all red too, right? Almost all of them are red, mono red. And I'm not saying we have enough support for a green-red shaman combo deck. <laughs>
0: uh-huh.
1: Deck we do. I, I had a wild weekend, Surge. We don't have time to get into it, but can you, there are a lot of good cards.
0: The, the, the wheels are spinning. Is that what I'm hearing right now?
1: Yeah, the wheels are spinning. They've uh, made a lot of really good stuff. This next card might not be one of them, but <laughs> Kessig Wolf Rider. It's one red for a one-two. It's a human knight with menace, and it has pay two and a red. Tap exile three cards from your graveyard to make a 3-2 red wolf token. If anybody has ever tapped a Grim Lavamancer, they know how quickly those cards can run out unless you're just so infinitely ahead of the game. And that's two. So three is so many cards. This is uh, way too... This is asking way too much. But I think this does have a home in exactly one deck. Oh? Uh-huh. Can you guess what that deck
0: is? Wolf tribal? <sighs> that what
1: Night tribal, Surge Night oh. tribal.
0: I it was right there on the tip of my tongue. That was my mm-hmm. second mm-hmm. guess. That was my second guess.
1: It out of the three possible guesses. <laughs> um, so I, I this was kind of a eureka moment. Again, weekend hell of a weekend where I is, or no, sorry, Aquarius in Australia. Yeah. Eldrin. Oh, <laughs> I had a wild weekend. Eldraine is one of the most broken sets of all time, right? And it was a set that had the tribal theme of knights. There were a lot of knights. Yeah, yeah. And if you look back to all the knights in the history of magic, there are good ones. There's a hell of a lot of lords, hell of a lot of cheap enablers, and a lot of, you know, high-ish quality cards that you could play, but they kind of need a bit more support and they just happened to get a whole bunch of support and the reinforcement from the, well, you know, the one of the most broken sets of all time. And so I think there is a knight tribal deck that's out there huh. that is quite good that it's really only lacking in one drops and so while this isn't the best one drop in the game it is a one drop knight within the colors with a keyword that is pretty cool when you have lords or equipment which you probably do for this deck and then you have the longevity of being able to build up your board if you get you know if this is post wrath or whatever
0: so yeah yeah keep knights on your radar i guess that's kind of cool
1: mm-hmm mm-hmm
0: all right, well, every set has at least one. So let's talk about the big red dragon in this set. We got the Manaform Hellkite. It's not even that big. It's a four mana, four, four for four. Two red, red. It has flying. And whenever you cast a non-creature spell, create an XX red dragon illusion creature token with flying and haste, where X is the amount of mana spent to cast that spell. Exile that token at the beginning of the next end step. I think this card, again, wants to live sort of with the Kessick Flame Breather and the, like, red-blue spells matter archetype that is always kind of there, but not quite there. And this one's a little trickier. Wait, you're just going with big red, aren't you, again? Oh, God, right. You can make a Planeswalker off of this. You cast this on turn three, and then you follow it up with, like, yeah, okay, never mind. This card's absurd in, in medium red.
1: I want to play this in a deck with either Planeswalkers or Force of Wills or actual factual counterspell, factor. fiction. This card's
0: nuts. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And it's and it,
1: importantly, though, importantly because people this is you're not the only one and it's probably a factor because they fl- they they flip a coin with how they want to word this you exile at the beginning of the next end step not end of turn yeah oh my god all your counter spells this is literally eot f-o-f-y-l end of oh turn factor fiction, you lose but because of dragons
0: <laughs> this is a pretty great impersonation of shark typhoon Oh yeah! You know, like if you actually get that on the board, but like this is the dream. This is the a like a livable dream of what everyone wanted Shark Typhoon to be. It
1: makes Shark Typhoon look like giant shark. But card a <laughs> uh, six mana card from the yeah. dark. It's not very good. <laughs> yeah, this card's absurd. I think this card is cracked in half.
0: All right. No, thank you. Thank you for giving me a second to correct myself. I'm like, wait a second. As I was talking, I was reading it again. I'm like, oh, never mind.
1: This set does that to you a whole bunch. And here's another great example. Reckless Impulse. It's one in a red. It's a sorcery. You exile the top two cards of your library. Until the end of your next turn, you may play those cards. So much like we've seen other versions of this kind of effect in the set, this is if you don't play these cards immediately that's okay you get to wait until your next turn and you can play them meaning you can play off play lands off of this card i think that this card is mostly going to be at home in a the mono red storm deck or like that spell slinger deck that you mentioned Hmm. which it's it exists the truth is out there but i can't really see myself playing this in like a red blue deck or a more like normal (laughs) hashtag normal archetype Especially because, you know, we just got two really strong cantrips.
0: Yeah, they just have better draw spells already, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: I think you need to be playing this due to the limitations of the colors of your deck or the limitations of the, you know, the control <laughs> that you have, your your self-control. Your
0: Yeah, I just I got can... to exile cards, Wheeler.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I feel you. I feel you.
0: Next up, we have Volatile Arsonist. This is a 5-mana 4-4 creature-human werewolf, notably not legendary. For three red-red, it has Menace and Haste. And whenever it attacks, it deals one damage to each of up to one target creature, up to one target player, and or up to one target Planeswalker. And it's got the daybound, nightbound mechanic. So at nighttime, it transforms into the Dire Strain Anarchist, which is a 5-5 five, five with Menace and Haste. And whenever it attacks, it deals two damage to up to one creature, player, and or Planeswalker. So... Downside, this card is five mana. Upside, this card does a lot when it hits the board. This is a very good impersonation of a lot of very good dragons. And instead of flying, it has haste i like this i like this as a top end threat in uh, in a medium red deck i want to I, I anytime i say medium red i feel like i have to check in with you but i think this does a pretty good job
1: i'm so conflicted because i'm i'm with you this does so many things it might as well read five mana murder your opponent
0: yeah yeah clears their clique it just it just
1: it's so big it does so much but that is such a competitive slot Mm,
0: right. Does it do enough in comparison to what else already exists, right?
1: Yeah. And and chances are, you know, it does. It it kind of has this weird thing of like we made him red could move away from Cavern of Souls naming Dragon to now Cavern of Souls naming Human because, you know, you just have all these mom and pop thopter shops, Magus of the Moon. Of course I'm using examples that came out half a decade or more ago, but you get the picture. You you have a bunch of stuff that you want to push through that doesn't necessarily have to be a gigantic dragon. Where I think this one will show up is that, well, the flip side, it's a 5-5. Five, five. That survives a wildfire surge. You want a big oh. red with this bad boy? <laughs>
0: oh. yeah i have been known to wildfire once or two in my in my magic career mm-hmm.
1: and big red's being known to not be able to do anything on their turn so <laughs> night bound here we come but closing out with a card that is a little less exciting but ultimately i think we'll make a larger splash apologies to the arsonist is Volderan epicure it's one red for a one one vampire and it, when it enters the battlefield it deals one damage to each opponent and you create a blood token i think this card's pretty good you know It comes with a shockingly large amount of value. The fact that it's a vampire means that I'm probably going to play this in vampires. In fact, it's in my vampires list. But it's also just like it does so much. It's a body that domes your opponent immediately and then also lets you cash in any excess lands you have or dig for lands letting you keep greedier
0: hands. Like, are you comparing this to Thraben Expector sort of just like an undervalued one drop that actually has a lot of versatility?
1: Yeah. I think I'll. I, I think so. I think that this is this card will prove to be a bit better than it looks on the front. All right, and will potentially you know find a home in more than just mono red maybe even black red but maybe even a combo deck honestly like it's cheap enough and domes people out i'd be sure this this might just be a a worthwhile flash haul conclusion who knows uh, as a part of the package but i digress yeah yeah this card i mean modern players seem to like it so and they've never been wrong
0: (laughs) i'm just i'm just shocked that two of the cards specifically that you've talked about today are commons that deal with blood tokens and and maybe that just talks about blood tokens being more powerful than i think they might they might look serge
1: i could do a ted talk on blood tokens and why they're messed up And that only a quarter of that Ted talk would be me chewing out any slack jawed Twitter person that says, but they're just worse clues.
0: I I was literally going to say, like, I think a lot of people just imagine them to be worse clues. But I (laughs) I think those people also undervalue just how valuable putting cards in the graveyard is in our format.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And one
1: is less than two. (laughs) In fact, it's half as much.
0: (laughs) It might be half as much, but it significantly more than, <laughs> I don't know. I liked where you were going with yeah, this. We yeah, don't yeah. even
1: need to close that. Yeah, it's yeah, fine. Don't,
0: don't need to land it. All right. So that's going to do it for part two of our set review. Look forward to part three, where we're going to cover green, gold, lands, and artifacts. And of course, we'll have some closing thoughts on the set and all. My name has been Serge. I've been joined by the wonderful Wheeler. We appreciate it. As always, in the comments down below, please let us know if you think we've missed any cards, anything you'd like to hear our thoughts on. This podcast has been brought to you by your support with the Patreon over at patreon.com slash Thank you very much, and we will see you next time. Bye.